0: Hello and welcome to Enter the Fold, a Shadow and Bone podcast. I'm Caitlin, your host who has read the books. And I'm Andy Kay, your host who has not. And I thought this week I'd make you say the episode title because I think that'll be funny.
1: Okay, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this week we are talking about episode four, <laughs> Kazatsia. Hey, that was really good. At-Kazatia. I don't know what that means, but that's what it's called. At-Kazatia is anyone
0: who's not a Grisha.
1: At-Kazatia. Okay. Written by Vanya Asher and directed by Dan
0: Liu. (laughs) Thank you for being a good sport about that. I've been thinking about it for a few days. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. The last
1: time that I remember having to say a word or name that I was super Uncomfortable with on the podcast. It was way back when we did Serenity on Pop Culturally Deprived, mm-hmm. and of Four is in that right. movie. And I watched on repeat like interviews with this guy so that I could just listen to people say his name over and over and over again until I could just say it. Yeah, because I had never heard it before. I could I had only seen it written down at that point. And I just practiced and practiced and practiced. So I totally get apprehension about words that appear to be complicated.
0: Yeah. I the only reason I think I can say adkazatsya without really stumbling over it is because I've listened to the audiobooks. Oh, see you cheater. <laughs> all I'm, right. I mean you could call me I'm reading the books at all, I guess I'm kind of a cheater <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> no that's fair that's totally fair all right uh before we get into the discussion of the episode we actually had um an interesting email this week from a listener um uh, so thank you edgar um who said some nice things which i'm gonna skip and then he says i hope you might be able to answer questions uh for me what do the different color keftas mean are they power base or rank base I that's a that fantastic question, question. Yes. and then second question that uh, he says, I looked up a map of the world and the fold is named as the Unsea. Is there any reason for that? I'm gonna answer that one first because it's a lot easier to answer. Um, And the answer is basically propaganda, I guess. In the book, it's explained that one of the kings of Ravka, I don't remember if it was the current one or a previous one, started calling it the Unsea and labeling it that way on maps so that people would think crossing it was just like crossing the ocean in a boat. You know, easy, simple. Oh. You should just do it. Merchants take your wares back and forth. No danger here, right? No danger at all. Yeah. So that's why that happened, and it kind of caught on. And people call it the unseen, and then they call the ocean the true sea. Even people okay. outside of Rofka do in the books.
1: Okay, but we haven't seen them do that in a show, right? It is just no. the fold.
0: Yeah, okay. they just call it the fold. Although there is an episode called the unseen.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So they must. At some point then, maybe talk about it later. I
0: don't think they do, to the best Interesting. of my memory. Um, so that's that question. Um, so, keftas, colors, they are not rank-based, although, I mean, the different orders might have something to say about that. They are power-based. So, corporal kai that's the order of the living and the dead. They're the ones who wear red keftas, and if there's black embroidery on it, that means they're heart renders, and if there's gray embroidery, that means they're healers. Okay. And then Ethereal Kai is the order of the Summoners, and they wear blue keftas. Um, and then if they have pale blue embroidery, they're Tide Makers, and they summon and control water. If they have red embroidery, they're Inferni, and they summon summon and control fire. And if they are silver embroidery, they're Squalors, and they summon and control wind and air currents.
1: It feels like there's a lot more blue keftas than any other color.
0: Hmm. Well, Alina is a summoner, and she wears a blue kefta for a lot of it. So I would think maybe the we see the summoners training together. Okay. And like that's a good point. Yeah, and um, sitting together, I guess.
1: Yeah, because they do kind of in the dining room. They kind of clump together, right? Yeah. Like the reds sit together and the blues sit together. Yeah. Okay.
0: And then there's the material kai, and that's the order of fabricators. And they wear purple keftas and a gray embroidery means you're a durist, which are people who work with like cloth and stone and metal and that sort of thing. And if you have red embroidery, you're an alchemy, which means you work with like chemicals and you make bombs and poisons and stuff. Have we seen any purple keftas? Um, That's the color that Leigh Bardugo wore in her uh, little cameo. She was wearing a purple kefta. Wow. I have no memory of that. Yeah. Like, I have no memory of seeing a purple kafta in this show. Right. Oh, um, I'm going to have to look for that. Sorry, there are three exceptions, obviously. There is the Darkling, who wears black with black embroidery. And you could say that he wears black because he's the general. But really, obviously, it's he's just lent into the aesthetic of being a Shadow Darkling. Summoner. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's Alina, who... Uh, In this episode, we see that the Darkling has made her a black kefta with gold embroidery because she's a sun summoner, sort of, which would signal to everyone else that he holds her at the same, like, to the same level of respect or whatever that he holds himself. Uh But she decides not to wear that and stay with her blue kefta that has the gold uh, Uh. embroidery. So that's what's happening there. And then there is Jenya, who wears a white kefta with gold embroidery. And that is because, as she talked about, the Darkling sort of gifted her to the queen when she was a child to be like the queen's own personal Grisha. So the queen dresses her in the same colors as servants. Mm.
1: At least she gets to wear a kefta. Well,
0: yeah. That's all very helpful.
1: That was a great question. And I'm really glad we went over that because I honestly wasn't really sure of the difference myself. Like, I could tell. Like, I knew because, like. Ivan and Fedior are red. And so mm-hmm. I was thinking, well, that's more of like a guard color. Right. Which is not exactly, like, it doesn't translate exactly like that, but they are like the more active fighters, I suppose. Heart renders. Right. Well, I, I get that now. Yeah. So I, I'm really glad you went through that. Thank you.
0: And I will say, other than the summoners who, like, if you summon water, that's it, that's what you do. Um, like, if you're a corporal kai, uh, heart renders and healers, They can usually do either or because it's pretty much the same thing. And the only thing that differentiates them is their training. So at one point in school, they chose which direction that they were either more suited for or had more talent for or whatever. But generally speaking, if you can do one, you can can do the other to a degree. Okay. And I believe the same is true of fabricators, but it's not true of summoners. Interesting. Yeah.
1: All right. I mean, that kind of makes sense for summoners. Yeah. Because, I mean, water, fire, and air are, like, super different.
0: Right. And then uh, anybody could summon summon shadow, and what would right. be his whole aesthetic then? Exactly. <laughs> and then
1: there wouldn't be a need for, like, there wouldn't be just one saint who could summon the sun. Yeah. If anybody could do it. So, okay. Makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah. So, thank you very much for your email, Edgar. Uh, especially since it never would have occurred to me to explain that, having read, you know, seven books. <laughs> Well, I'm super glad you did. All right. On to the episode. All right. So this one, we get Mal's voiceover throughout as opposed to last episode when we got Alina's. So I guess that's nice. I liked it because we're getting a a different perspective
1: this time, but it mirrors so closely kind of what we were getting last week. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like it because I don't like Mal, but that's personal opinions. Right. Okay. Did you not like Mal before the show started because of the book, or do you not like show Mel?
0: I don't really... Okay, so, um... Book Mel I find very boring. Like, I don't... I wouldn't even say I dislike him. I'm just like, he, blah.
1: Okay. But... But you actively dislike this Mel?
0: Only because there's so much of him. And no. and I just sort of... Because there's not this much Mel in the book. It's first person from Alina's perspective, the book mm-hmm. is. So, way less Mel. And... I just feel like I would rather more Alina. Okay.
1: Yeah, there's not a lot of Alina in this episode either. Yeah. So I, I guess I understand that, but I really like how they've set up Alina and Mal stories to be so similar. Mm-hmm. I like they're two sides of the same coin,
0: and I am enjoying that. If I can, if I take like a step back and, and look at it objectively, I can appreciate that also. Uh, but every time I, the story goes away from Like, I suppose what I dislike most is when you're adapting a story that is about a woman as, like, the central figure. And then in the adaptation, you're like, actually, let's take this dude and give him a bigger, a larger role. Mm. And cut out some of the stuff that the woman had who was and is, like, the main character. So that kind of bugs me. Uh, There are parts in Mal's story in here that I I do like him, but not, not most of it.
1: Okay, that's fair.
0: Now, I do love Mikaela and Dubrov. <laughs>
1: They're great. It smells like braised lamb. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Great. So we find out uh, here at this point, weeks have passed now. Um, yeah. So we get a sense of time actually passing, which is nice because last week we were, you know, contemplating, do the two timelines match up now or do they not? Because we just had no idea. That's so, yeah. nice.
0: And I, I guess we can assume that Alina spends some weeks training and Mal spends some weeks walking. And pining. And pining. Pining, it's very important.
1: Um, I do want to point out here in his video, uh, he show they show a shot of some graffiti on the wall. Yeah. And the graffiti is written in Ravkin, but they do put translations up on the screen, stylized the same way the graffiti is. And I really... I liked it. I liked that one it, a lot, too. It didn't take me out of the story at all, and I'm glad that they d- chose to translate it for us.
0: Our saint has arrived. Too late. hmm And then a whole bunch of people get mail, and Mal doesn't, and he's real sad about it. I will say, this actor is great. Like, he just wears everything on his face. Archie Renault, he does mm-hmm. a great job on this one.
1: Yeah. They all do. So I saw... Um, so one of Netflix's Facebook pages... Uh, this last week, has been posting non-stop stuff about Shadow and Bone. And so, like, each of the actors had, like, a video where they were just sitting there talking about the world and their character. mm mm-hmm. And I, I watched most of them. And uh, I really, really enjoyed Archie's. Oh, okay. So, if you have Facebook, I would recommend going to find... I'm sure they probably posted them on, like, Instagram and other places, too. Right, yeah. Um, but it was nice. My... I don't even follow it was I like the Netflix Geeked Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And I don't even follow that one. But like Facebook knows that shadow and bone is something that I'm really into right now. And yeah. so it just kept showing them to me. And then I would play one and then it'd be
0: like, oh, you like that one? Watch this one too. <sighs> and so I just caught them all. I worry about that for you because like if I'm on my Instagram Explore page, I just get so much shadow and bone stuff. And a lot of it is super spoilers. And I'm like, God, I hope this doesn't happen to Mandy.
1: No, I ignore Instagram. Oh, that's nice. Mostly. Um, And, like, I haven't gotten into this side of TikTok yet, so I'm not going to get spoiled there, and I am avoiding Twitter, so it's really just the Facebook stuff. Hmm. And I was very specific, because they were videos, like, I was kind of... I I felt certain that because they were cast videos, like, introducing you to the world, Mm -hmm. that they wouldn't be filled with spoilers. Um, But I try to avoid... Articles slash reviews. Okay. Because so many of those do go so deep into comparing it to the book. Mm -hmm. And I don't want that information yet. So I I do
0: try to kind of curate what I click on. That is smart, especially since I think I mentioned this last week. Pre the show coming out, I read an interview with Ben Barnes Mm. where he just gave up one of the secrets of the show. And I was like, dude, what the heck? Yeah,
1: he he said that last week. So, I yeah, I'm trying not to do that. I did send you that one article about Kaz. Yeah, um, that one's good. And you said it had some spoilers in it, but I didn't pick up on them, so that was fine.
0: Yes, it was very light spoilers. So. Okay. So, yes, McAllen and D. are the best, and then we find out that the Darkling has sent forth a mission for people up north to track Moritzova's stag, who is one of the 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 amplifier that we learned about last episode. Mm-hmm. The mythical amplifier. Yep. The stag that
1: Alina's been dreaming about. Yes. I like the scene. Everybody just starts laughing because these are folks in the first army and they don't believe in these things. The, mm-hmm. the stag is not real. It's this mythical creature. So like why on earth is he trying to get trackers to find it? But Mal immediately volunteers because he recognizes it as Alina's drawing because Alina's been dreaming about the stag since she was a child and of course he knows that right mm-hmm. like she wrote about it to him in her letter last week and so to him this is a way to get back to Alina yes. because the reward is a trip to the little palace
0: yeah so I like the idea that he might be thinking A it's a way to see her again but even if he doesn't it's something that he can do for her right yes as it is obviously connected to her since it's her drawing right
1: um. Then we go back to Alina. Jenya comes in to get her ready to go riding with Kerrigan, which is lovely. Um oh, ho, ho. Um, this is another way that you can tell that time has passed because Alina's demeanor is so different than it was last episode. Mm-hmm. Like, you can tell she's settled in. She's happy. Happy may not be the right word, but she's not so... Uh, she, she doesn't reclaimed. feel out of place quite as much. <laughs> right, exactly. And she even says, like... I shouldn't be going riding. I need to go train some more. Yeah. Right? Like, that's where her head is right now. She also finds out that Zoya was sent off the grounds after what she did to Alina. To reassess
0: her priorities. Yeah. Right? Like, talk about punishment. This is where Genia presents her with the black kefta. But Mm -hmm. Alina refuses to wear it and sticks with her, her blue. And then when she goes to meet
1: Kerrigan, he asks her to call him Alexander.
0: And every book reader loses their mind. Oh, my God.
1: <sighs> does he not have
0: a name in the book? or He does. But you don't learn it here or oh. in the next book. Or like, no. Oh, wow. <laughs> you don't <laughs> okay. learn it for some time. And it's like a, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a big moment in the book, but it's kind of an important moment in the book. And they were just like, eh, "Yeah, here's his name. It's like, oh. Okay, then. <laughs> Doing something different. I think it's
1: sweet. He's he's trying so hard, and we see this later in the episode, too. He's trying so hard to relate to her on a personal level and to make her feel at home and comfortable and safe. And I love it. And so I really like this moment because it was such a small thing. Like, I mean, apparently his name is not a small thing, but it <laughs> well, is. You then- know, in, in the timeline that we have now, it yeah. is. It's just... He is giving her something personal, like nobody else can call him that. He's the general, right? And the Fjordans call him the Darkling. But no, he just wants to be Alexander to her.
0: Love it. I will say before that, when he sees that she's in the Blue Kefta, he says, are you so anxious to be like everyone else? And I think that's an interesting line, too. Well, I mean, he wants her to be like him. Yeah. Or or something. All right. Call me Alexander. And let me tell you, when I say the book readers lost their mind, I mean, I have watched some TikToks. <laughs> they lost their oh. fucking minds. <laughs> in a good way or a bad way? Oh, no, in a bad way. Oh, well, in a bad way. And not in a Aww. bad way, but just in one of those like, oh, you changed the book. Got Why, it. Okay, like, yeah, you, you, no. Because you know, it's like, it, it's not necessarily bad, but it's like how, so in this series here, it's just different, right? And sometimes when it's different, you're like, Oh, but that means we won't get this moment later on. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I
1: do, because I have experienced that exact
0: thing with
1: other adaptations of things that I love. Yeah. Um we, we've talked about it many times in Discovery of Witches, right? Sure. And it's it's such a different experience coming into it without knowing the source material because I watch this and I'm just like, Oh my god, I love it. It's wonderful. Everything about it is perfect. And you're watching it like yeah, it's good, but I feel robbed of this moment that I really wanted and that I was looking forward to. I
0: will and- say I don't feel robbed. When I say, I like, I was, the only thing I thought when they said that, I was like, oh, that's, that's different. I didn't feel like, I didn't feel robbed at all. And I think it's a good scene. And I think they made some good choices here. I just think it's interesting that they didn't save it. Mm. But then we're back with the crows and they have reached East Ravka alive. Yay. Yay. Where else would they be but in a bar? In a bar, yeah. Uh, and I love I love the little quick flashback to the train of all of them screaming and then Milo bleeding. It's good. <laughs> and also, like, uh, the conductor and Jesper are drinking, and Inej is just sitting there with this huge pile of pastries in front of her. And I've just never felt so connected to Inej before. Right? <laughs> Yes, I I would be sitting
1: there with the large bowl of pastries as well. That's good. Um, This is where we discover that without Nina, they have to come up with a new plan to get into the little palace. And so to figure out how to get in, they need the blueprints. So we are going to have a heist. Everybody's favorite. Right? Jesper gets
0: really excited. Yeah. But then he has to give Milo away. The first time I saw this, I really thought he was saying goodbye, my love, not Milo. <laughs> oh, that's even better. Know, oh, my God, that that's so even better.
1: <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Um, And then Kaz tells the conductor that he needs to make friends. Yeah. And then
0: I feel seen. But that's the hardest job. Yeah, that was so good, too. I, yeah. I feel stuff. like this whole scene, like in the way that the Darkling saying call me Alexander had book readers going <gasps> this whole scene had book readers going, Yes, making friends is hard. And <laughs> and like I'm sure that as soon as Kes started describing where the plans were, you know, everybody who's read Six of Crows was like, Heist,
1: heist, heist. Okay. Apparently heists are a thing for these guys. Yeah, they're criminals they're thieves that's what they do that's true i mean we do know that that kaz is a thief going back to the painting from the first episode so um then we are back to kerrigan and alina at a fountain they brought her to a wishing well he's like thrown a coin in that's hilarious i love this scene i do um it's not my favorite scene of the episode, but it is a good one, mm-hmm. um, because this is Alina and Kerrigan getting to know each other and us getting to know Kerrigan. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we finally hear the story of the heretic and how he created the fold, as told by Alina as she learned it growing up. Yes. Um, and so that's an interesting story. Um, and f- and for her, it's only ever just been a story in the history books, right? And so she's kind of cavalier about it and she's like, was I properly schooled and things like that? But then you look at Alexander and he's having an emotional reaction to the story because he's a descendant of the heretic. Right. And he says, "Um, you know, I'm always reminded that I'm part of the problem. He says, I am never seen as the solution, only a reminder of the problem. Um, And then, you know, of course, turns around and puts all of that pressure on Alina it says, you and
0: I are going to change the world. Okay. A couple of things I want to emphasize here. I do like that he he says something like, the real you has finally emerged. I kind of wish they'd lingered on, on that a bit. Because uh, I like, I feel like there's a good story kind of woven throughout. But it's it's subtle about how, we talked about this with, with Jenya last episode, the episode before. Anyways, about how, you know, Alina's always been Grisha. She just didn't know it hmm And I like that they do kind of keep bringing that up a little bit. I I just kind of wish it was a bit more there. Okay. But it's good. And then when when Alina's telling the the story of how the Fold was made, she does mention that he uses the same forbidden power that Mort's overused to create the amplifiers, which kind of begs the question of whether or not the amplifiers are a good idea to me. Well, I mean, we learn what Bagger feels about amplifiers later in the episode. That's true. But I mean, specifically these, these mythical ones mm-hmm. that were, that used, to, that somebody used this forbidden power to create. Yeah. And then, yeah, the you and I are going to change the world line is actually one of my favorite Darkling lines. And I'm really glad they kept it.
1: Yeah. I, he actually, he says her name in it, too. And I love the way he looks at her and says her name here. Yeah. Like, he has just wrapped up so much hope into this idea he has been looking for alina for so long and now he sees a possibility right that he's just always hoped for before and now it's within his grasp and Mm -hmm. and you know it's a chance for to hear him tell it here it's a chance for redemption because he's only ever in the shadow of his ancestor essentially is what he's saying here and it's just it's good It's good, but, you know, Alina... Is is this the scene where Alina says, um, or is that the later scene, um, where she says if she fails, they'll turn on her? That's here. That is here. Um, Because she recognizes how much hope people are placing on her as well. Mm -hmm. And she says that if she tries and fails, then she's going to be the new heretic, and everybody's going to turn on her. And he gets all passionate, and he's like... I would never let that happen. Come on, he says it just like that, too. No, no, it's true. I'm not (laughs) laughing at you, I'm laughing at him. You know, but she kind of calls him out on it. She's like, you know, I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah. But you don't have that kind of power. Which is an interesting
0: thing to say to the general of the second army.
1: Yeah, but you know, Alina doesn't really hold to pretense or rank. or. Oh, no, I I (laughs) absolutely agree
0: with her here. It's... (laughs) I Like, yeah. I think, especially from what we see of the Fjerdins in this show, I think it's very clear that the the Atkazatia population will turn on the Grisha, mm-hmm, you know, absolutely. At, at the drop of a hat, which I remember talking about this with um, a friend recently who hadn't quite finished the books. And she was like, I don't think that they would burn them, though. And I'm like, dude, we burned people we thought were witches just because we didn't like them. And she was like, oh, yeah. that's a good point. <laughs> like, yeah, we're, we always want somebody to blame. So if there's a smaller population with magic powers, I mean, of course we're going to kill them. Yeah. Anything other, anything different. Yeah.
1: Back to Mal briefly. Um, he's packing and getting ready to go find the stag. And we discover that his friends are not going to let him go on this foolish journey alone. They mm. are going to go as well.
0: And I think this is one of maybe like the second time that we get a hint that Mal is like really good at his job. Because Dubrov is like, as long as you track those little, I don't remember, says some type of animal that they eat. It's like, I don't know how you keep finding them, but we're going to eat them. And I just think (laughs) that that's an important part of Mal to pay attention to. I mean, yeah. I guess we haven't really
1: heard that he's like a good tracker. We just know that he is a tracker.
0: I know Um, that he he is one and that there was in one of the flashbacks uh the lady at the orphanage anakuya told him to bring home a rabbit for dinner so i I think Mm. that kind of implies that he was always kind of good at it even when he was a kid right okay that makes sense Mm -hmm.
1: and then we get everybody's favorite old grandmotherly witch person (laughs) i love her so much she's so good It took me so long to place the actress. I was like, she is so familiar, but I don't know who (laughs) she is. And Zoe Wanamaker? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But uh, I I know her both from Harry Potter and Doctor Who, so. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I love her here because she just keeps smacking Alina with the cane, like
0: over and over and over. Just, no, it's not right. You could do it better. (laughs) I will say, just sort of as an aside, since you brought it up, and maybe it's because we're getting there's mostly younger actors in this, but there is a dis, like a weird lack of Harry Potter actors in here considering it's an all like British cast. Yeah, that is true. Uh, but we got one, so Yeah. Hey. Yeah, so it's still allowed to exist, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: The 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 caning doesn't, you know, especially help, but Alina does manage to summon a small light.
0: Yeah. And and it looks like it's, she's done it before. So she's getting better than we've seen her in previous episodes at, like, mm-hmm. being able to call it herself.
1: Yeah, but she's still struggling. Like, she has to concentrate a lot to get that small light. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why the next scene is so hilarious because we cut to the dining room and – is it Marie? Yeah, Marie is the um, inferni
0: because she's got uh, a blue kefta with red embroidery.
1: She um, said one time, bagger, at least a hive of bees on me.
0: And this, I think, is hilarious because it implies that she just burned those bees. To the right? Because it worked and she's been able to
1: summon it will ever since. So, yeah. But like bees, just bees, a hive of bees. Like Bacar doesn't care if she hurts you.
0: And I think we can assume that like this world is pre-industrial revolution. So their bee population is probably doing just fine. Mm-hmm. And it was it was cool that she burned a bunch of bees. But I, yeah. I do love that that was, like, I have this idea in my head of almost like when the conductor looked Jesper up and down and was like, this dude needs a goat, that beggar looked her up and down and was like, bees. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yes. Probably. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Oh, uh, We also get this conversation here where Alina talks about Mal showing up and <laughs> describes him as being, as like. Just showing up, and then everything will be fine, as if he would be the solution to all her problems. And I just feel like that is one of the most naive things Alina has ever said.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's—I—I I don't know why she's convinced that he's
0: coming when he's not answered
1: any of her letters or written her. Oh well, that I'm she, sure well, she's the, just
0: lying to yeah. herself. But I mean, the whole thing—I think she's just lying—lying her, lying to herself there.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you get a little bit of that because she gets this look on her face, like, mm-hmm. because the camera lingers on her before we switch to the next scene. And she does have that, like, furrowed brow. Yeah. Kind of, like, I hope he comes. Like, I miss him and I'm so sad
0: kind of look. But a lot of this is probably why I don't like Mal also. Like, Galena just relying on him. And I'm like, you are the sun summoner. Why on your fucking self, lady. I mean, she gets there by the end of the episode. I think that's the point of this episode. Yeah, I get it. It's true. It's true. But then... Heist, heist, heist. We get the heist. It's so... It's steampunk
1: Mission Impossible, and it is amazing.
0: Steampunk Mission Impossible. Yes. I love that descriptor of it and them. (laughs) That's really good. And Kaz dressed up as Ivanovsky in that ridiculous hat. And like grinning, I'm like, oh my God, Cass. Cass doesn't grin. <laughs> what is happening? But his he's whole gonna... face is
1: different. Like I, I was like, who is that?
0: <laughs> it's so good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I was super impressed at Jesper getting an edge out after she gets locked in. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, like this is gonna go so terribly. But you know, he had a smart idea and timed his shot to go off when the clock chimes so nobody would hear it. And she got out and it was, it was, just, it was beautiful. Like it was like five minutes of just beauty.
0: Yes, it was. I love them. I want to see them do more crime. Oh, crime is my yeah, favorite. If,
1: if, if Six of Crows is just all of these guys doing crime, I'm, I'm here for that.
0: Well, you know, A, there's six of them, not three of them. And, uh, cause you know, Six of Crows and yeah. it's, it's one big crime Ah, okay. So things go right, things go wrong, but there's always twists and turns and...
1: Well, I mean, this is kind of one big crime because it's all about
0: stealing uh, Alina. Stealing Alina, that's true. So oh, all right. Huh. I just... They're sent after... Oh, no, never mind. That's spoilers. I, I won't say anything. <laughs> okay. The one thing that I did want to bring up here is, if you recall in the first episode... Uh Inej tried to convince Kaz to get one of the other girls out of the menagerie. And he said, no, no one can do what you can do. And I honestly think this is the first we really get to see what Inez can do. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't just like the climbing in and that sort of thing. It was her being silent. And like when she was behind that guy who was looking for her and he had no idea she was there. Mm-hmm. And I think that is where we, this is, this episode in particular is when we really get to see why people value Inez. Yeah.
1: Before we'd only ever seen her disappear. Yeah. Um, But here we got to see her be active. And I actually I really loved the scene where she was stepping behind and around the guard to stay out of his view. And she was completely silent. It was uh, it was
0: nice. It's really hard not to say some book stuff here, but we're going to move on. Back to the little palace, we have Fedor being sent to search for Nina, and it is the weirdest, weirdest thing for me to hear the Darkling say Nina Zenik, which never happened in the books, and it's just weird. I have questions now. Mm-hmm. If
1: she's been on a special mission for Kiergan, Mm-hmm. And and later um, when we see her on the boat when she like refuses to give up any details about him and says I'm not I'd rather starve than be a traitor like hasn't she been being a traitor if she's been helping the conductor get Grisha out of the palace I, like, well, there's definitely more going
0: on to Nina here than we know well yes but also maybe like if somebody wants to leave she might not consider that being a traitor you know like that that would just be imprisoning Grisha. Same, okay, same so thing. She's right? she's just doing both, maybe. Yeah, but it okay. also doesn't necessarily mean that she wants to betray her country. Right. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, and then we're back with the crows, I think, briefly to see that they have the blueprints, but they're not sure that they're going to help. And then we get magical deer poop. Yes, and Mikhail has that line afterwards where he's like, "Man knows his shit." <laughs> <laughs> seriously there are so many like just quick tiny little
1: scenes in this episode yeah it's crazy like there i mean there, this there's nothing about this scene of it like literally my note here is like i have the crows and the blueprints and then i have mal and his friends in the wood woods deer poop magical
0: deer scat like that's it yep my note Hold here on. is man knows the shit and mal <laughs> And then we're back on the ship and I'm just going to call him by his name because it's stupid that we haven't learned Matthias' name yet. But this Druskella is named Matthias.
1: I actually know that now because closed captioning told me that. Ah, very nice. They didn't say it yet, but closed captioning, that's my note, is closed captioning says his name is Matthias. Oh, great. Um, And this is the scene where she says, I'd rather starve than be a traitor. He's brought her food and she won't eat it.
0: Yeah, I, I like the scene because you get the idea that there's more going on in his head than than just nothing, you
1: know? Yeah, I really liked the moment um, where, you know, she's, I don't remember exactly what she said, but basically, you know, you feel like if you give me food, you can feel better about sending me to my death. And he pauses and then he says, I don't feel anything about you. Yeah. And like that feels like a momentous line. But it was a throwaway line.
0: Well, I think the point of that line is that he's obviously lying.
1: Yeah, like there's definitely something going on in his head about her, but I'm I'm wondering why his focus is on her and not anybody else or not on all of them because she's not the only one down there. She's the newest one. Mm. I
0: can absolutely see where Nina would make herself noticed. You know, she'd That's be there. She's like, loudspoken. Yeah, she'd be yelling at them and asking them questions and. Nothing would shut her up. And I mean that with all the affection I have for Nina, which is a Right, lot. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and she, even in this scene, like,
1: she's, she is kind of starving and, like, super sleep-deprived and in pain and cold and wet. But when she argues with him, like, it sparks a fire in her because she's just, she believes in her worth and her value and she believes in who she is and what she stands for, and against what they stand for, and she's not gonna just sit there and let them do that to her without letting her opinions be known.
0: It's very true, and I love Nina, I love her so much. I like her so far. I mean, I, I'm kind of bummed
1: that really all we know about her has been since she's been in captivity, yeah.
0: But she's so fiery, and I love it. Yes, I don't have anything else said, that was good. And then we're back with the crows, and then we see that the conductor has learned well from his con artist friends, and he gets them into the traveling troupe to the little palace with uh, staging that little accident for the yes. gymnast. Gymnast. Yes. Which is so
1: funny because, like, we saw the accident with the gymnast two scenes ago. Yeah. Right? And it just was in the background and... We didn't really pay much attention to it. But here we find out what actually happened, which is nice. Nice touch. I also have a quote from Jesper here, and I don't actually remember what made him say that. But Mm -hmm. he said, I miss Milo. Oh, (laughs) I think because of course I wrote that down, but
0: I don't remember what the context is. I think it was before um, the conductor came over with the troop dude. And they were all just sitting around, like, what do we do now? Oh, is this one? Um, I know what it is. Uh, he, they They're looking like, what do we do now? And Jesper says something like, we could open a bar, serve beer to the West Ravkins. Oh, yeah. And then Kazan and Edge say, in unison, shut up, Jesper. And then oh. he says, I miss Milo.
1: Yes, that's what it is. Love it. Yeah. Um, I also really love uh, Jesper kissing it himself in the mirror before he shoots the card. Yeah. Jesper is (laughs) always Jesper. It's beautiful. It's good. And then he kisses the gun, too. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And Kaz decides that he is not going to perform on the stage. He will figure
0: his own way into the little palace. And we get to see Inej perform, too, which I guess is learning a little bit about who she was before she was sold to a brothel.
1: Yeah. And she does it perfectly. Yeah. So... Uh, Then we're back to Alina and Bagra, and this is where we find out Bagra doesn't like amplifiers because Alina's like, if I just had one, I could do this. And Bagra says that they are a lazy, barbaric practice. Yeah. And then we find out more about the day the testers came to the orphanage, and it turns out it's a different story than what they've led us to believe so far.
0: Yeah, it is weird. And also, I just liked this way better in the book. This is weird.
1: Okay. So, so far, we've been led to believe that just Alina was never tested. Yeah. Um, And the flashbacks that we saw in the previous episodes look like they ran and hid. And that's specifically what she told Kerrigan. We hid when he asks, when were you tested or why weren't you tested? Um, But it turns out what actually happened was they did hide. They decided to run away together, but she needed her sketchbook before they could run away. And so they went back to get it. And the headmistress of the orphanage caught them. And they, uh, Mal couldn't be tested because he was injured. Mm-hmm. And, but Alina did get tested. But she injured herself so that they wouldn't notice. Right. That, and that's where the scar on her hand came from. Yes. The sentimental scar. Um, so it's, it's weird that they set it up. Like, I'm not sure what the show is trying to do exactly like is the show manipulating us or is the show like because it seemed very explicit that alina was just never tested and then suddenly we get the scene that shows that she was but clearly Mm -hmm. they knew from the beginning that she was because that's where the scar came from right so like why why did they choose to do it this way this is all very different than the book so i don't have answers for you okay it's just odd yeah. That's what I'll say. I feel like they lied to the audience.
0: Yeah, if I feel like this would make much more sense if it was like the next year and the testers came back. You know, yes. like they hid that first year and then the sec- and then the next year they came back. But it's not because Mal was injured in that original flashback and he's also injured yeah. here. So
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely the same year, so um, I don't know if it's lazy writing or if they're intentionally choosing to lie to the audience for some reason, Um, but
0: it frustrated me a little bit. Yeah. So. I mean, this scene frustrates me for other reasons, I suppose. Book reasons. Yeah, and it's not really a spoiler, I suppose I can talk about it. So in the book, I think I've explained this before, maybe I was talking about it with somebody else. Gosh, I don't even remember. Um, to be tested. Well, you said that
1: the testing was different in the book. So. Yeah.
0: So there's more than one, like there are other Grisha who are also amplifiers in the book and it's the amplifiers that go around and they just over it. Cause I've talked about them touching children before. Yes. Cause <laughs> not the bad way. Yes. Not in the bad way. Right. <laughs> and they just, they call your power up like that. And so in the book, she doesn't, that's not how she gets her scar. In the book, it's more like you really get the idea that Alina, I would say subconsciously, did know that she was Grisha and that she would be taken away. And so she just pushed it down and oh. she like hid it from the uh, the testers.
1: Oh, that's interesting because she specifically says here in this scene, yeah, I didn't know I was Grisha. I just knew that I didn't
0: want to leave Mal. Yeah. And it. I don't get why they changed that, I suppose. Um, maybe it was too hard to put on screen. I'm I'm not a screenwriter. I have no idea. But I liked the – well, not not that I liked that she was making less of herself for a man, but I liked that the writing showed that, like that that's mm-hmm. what she had been doing all of her life.
1: I think they do try to get that across in this episode. They do, um, yeah, absolutely. Differently, of course. I think
0: – I understand
1: what you're saying, and if I had read the book, I'd probably feel the same way you do. I mm-hmm. think – with the information they've given us in the show it works for me right just because they they continue to show us how deeply important this relationship is to alina
0: yeah and i think they do try they do a good job like a little later on of showing that she has been waiting for mal and she has been holding herself back because she just wants to go back to how things were yeah so and then as soon as she stops that you know, she gets mm-hmm. around that block, she can, she can do it. Um I, I don't know. I just think it's an interesting change. Because I, I kind of liked the idea, especially since uh, from Jenny from last episode, you know, who'd been working on herself since she was three. Yeah, I like the idea that even subconsciously, Alina did know on some level that she was a Grisha, but she just didn't she didn't want it. Mm-hmm. I liked
1: that. One last thing before we leave Bagra. Bagra is brutal, like not even just with like The cane, Mm -hmm. right? With her words. Like she is, she does not hold back here. She says, how many more Ravkin children will be orphaned in this war because you were afraid
0: to face the truth? Yeah. Like that's hard. I will actually bring up that, uh, I don't, I'm like 90% sure this is not true in the books, but like I was on the, I was just on Instagram today and I was watching the official Shadow and Bone accounts, like their stories. And they've been doing this thing where they like, like quiz the people. And, and mm-hmm. they were quizzing people on what Rovkin words meant. And, At- oh, I just lost it. Akazatsia came up. And in their stories, they said that it meant both non Grisha, but it also meant orphan. Oh. Which is, I'm I'm fairly certain that that doesn't come up in the book. That it just means people who are not Grisha. Okay. I think. So I think that that is an interesting take for the show to uh, take. Whatever. I wonder if they're pushing that.
1: No, I. I'm, that's a stretch. I was going to say maybe because once you're discovered to be Grisha, even if you are an orphan, you're taken into a family. Yeah. Like this family
0: that Kerrigan. Yeah. I get that. I get that. Um, it just seems strange. And like if that were true, it would give even more of a reason for non grisha to hate them. That Grisha referred right. to them all as orphans. Like, ugh. <laughs> right. Can you imagine? So I think that that's a little bit of Grisha digging their own holes there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. All right.
0: So just something interesting to keep in mind that apparently the show Okay. That's how they translate that. I meant to mention it at the top. Then we have my
1: favorite scene. Oh, okay. In this episode. You don't like this scene? Or you're surprised it's my favorite? No,
0: sorry. I'm not sure which scene you're talking about.
1: Oh, this is where Alina can't sleep so she goes to sleep oh, here yes, again. Yes, 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 that's yes, yes. Where we sorry, are. my
0: my eyes had jumped down in in my notes and I was like, She doesn't get a letter from Mal? That's your favorite scene? <laughs> oh <laughs> and i was like that can't be it no no
1: no i really like this scene um Kieran is having like this full-on existential night of despair right um he's talking to her and he says i'd been... be your favorite sorry <laughs> i like existential it when they night <laughs> of despair i love it <laughs> Um, you know, he says that he's been fighting this war alone for so long, and as he's talking to her about all of these things that he's struggling with and how, like, lonely he feels and sad he feels and hopeless he feels about the war and the fold and not being able to take it down, like, he's bringing the darkness in, like, he's summoning it, like, he's not even trying. It's just happening as yeah. he's despairing, right? And so Alina grabs his arm and immediately lights up the room and pushes back all of the shadows and she says you are not alone. And I love it. I love it. He touches her face. He says that he's been waiting a long time for her. They have this moment. They almost kiss. But Alina is strong enough to recognize that she should not do this and she walks away.
0: I also really Which high like five this scene. to her. It's a very good scene and I like the music is really good in this scene. The shots are really good. The one with them standing on opposite sides of the door. Yes. That ben one's Barnes really is good.
1: Just, God, ben Barnes is beautiful. Like his eyes getting all full of tears as he's talking and the emotion that's choked up in his throat while he's talking. It's 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 just so good. I love this kind of emotional depth. And I think mm-hmm. that's why this is my favorite scene, because I relate like I'm so empathetic to them. And like I feel for them, for him specifically. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to be there, being the light for him. So that is that that's is that,
0: that Ben Barnes or is that the Darkling? Oh, little column A, little Why column not B. both? Yeah, why not both? <laughs> I really like this scene. I mean, a they're both beautiful, and yes. <laughs> I love their yes. outfits here because there's something about finding them both in these like because he's wearing something casual too he's not wearing his kefta i i can't tell if it's like night clothes i would not say pjs but it's but it is still black yeah it's of course it is but it looks almost like a robe or or like a a thin robe but like Mm -hmm. what are keftas other than robes so who knows really and obviously alina is in her her frilly nightgown that somehow i still like even though it's super frilly yeah. I think the velvet robe helps though. The velvet robe is nice. It and is it's nice. it's interesting to see them both in these almost like cuz it's kind of vulnerable to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, in your PJs and the, but then they're also like in a war room, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's
1: a lot of really nice juxtaposition. Yeah. It's in an- Right. The the vulnerability, like you're saying, the vulnerability of the the clothes versus the strength of their Kefta, right? Yeah. Like they've taken the strength of the Kefta away and, and given them that rawness, um, but standing next to the war table and then his darkness and her light. And it's just this, this show is doing some really great things with symbolism. Yeah. And like, it's done in such a way that you don't even necessarily notice. Like you internalize it without actually understanding why until you start talking about it on a podcast. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's their their whole dynamic is interesting because obviously it's a little it's a little yin and yang, right? The light and the uh-huh. dark, and it's interesting to see them try to relate to each other in that way, and then also try to relate to each other as people. Mm-hmm. And I I do like every scene with them. It's really good. Even some of the times when I'm like, he took her to a wishing well. What the <laughs>
1: fuck?
0: Like, even when I think it's a little bit ridiculous, I still love every scene with them, and it. They do a good job.
1: I mean, he was trying to be vulnerable there too. Like that's where he ran off when he was a kid, right? Like he took her there for a reason. Some of what you say is very right. <laughs> Some of what I say. <laughs> yes. Okay. I just I I am enjoying
0: Alexander. It's so weird Elena. to hear anybody calling him that. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. I. It's I uh, a, it, yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. I know sometimes I just have to, like, put the book out of my head and enjoy it. And I do most of the time. But sometimes it's like, what, Alexander, what? No. (laughs) No. Like, I don't even, I don't know. The fact that he said it here to me kind of just makes me think it's going to take a huge emotional moment out of something that happens later. But maybe not. Maybe, maybe I just don't have enough faith. Like, I don't know, whatever.
1: I feel like they've been really strong with these emotional moments. So whatever it is, Mm. it'll probably be different, but I think they'll still manage. I think they'll manage.
0: Yeah. And like, if they ever get to it, like the moment I'm thinking of would be at the very, very end of season three, you know? So. Oh, wow. Okay. It's not like, it's not like other things might change things, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, we should move on. We were talking about this scene a lot, which to be fair, it's a good scene. So Good scene. And then, uh, we're back on the ship and it is going down.
1: Yeah. And so the captain says that if, if the ship does start to break apart, if it gets really bad, they have to kill the captives. And Matthias is like, wait, what? Why would we do that? They have to stand trial for their crimes, mm-hmm. which is such a wonderfully naive thing
0: for him to say. I think that's a really great Matthias line because Matthias is always this weird juxtaposition of elite soldier and naive boy, Mm. and I like that about him. Okay, to a degree.
1: Yep. Um, my next note just says Mal in the snow, so I have no idea what happens.
0: Um, it's just they're just walking along. Dubrov has a dead animal on his back, which took me like a good five minutes to figure out. Because he just had this hump on his back. I was like, what is happening there? I'm like, oh, it's a dead animal. And he's just carrying it. That's cool. But yeah. And then we're back with Alina and she still has no letters from Mal. And then this is where maybe Alina realizes that she's been denying herself for a man.
1: Yeah, she has her own moment of, it's it's an existential
0: moment of despair. (laughs) But this one's during the day, which I guess fits for a Sun Summoner.
1: Right? Yeah. So she believes that Mal's left her behind because she's Grisha, um, and it's the way that they show this, the montage of moments of their life where, like, there are moments that they've shown us before to show the strength of their bond, Yeah, and now they're using those same moments just edited slightly to show us that, that maybe Mal really has left her. At least she believes it, right? Yeah. Instead of them clasping hands, we see them dropping their hands. Right. We're we're reminded of his little friend from Karamzin joke or whatever. And so that gives her the strength to say, I guess, you know, maybe I don't really need him. You know, I don't need to hold back. And so she goes back to Bagra and she manages to summon a
0: medium sized ball of yeah. light instead of the tiny one. But and then Bagra says, OK, now the work begins. So now she can do it when she wants, I suppose. Training upped. Yeah. Level, she leveled up. Um, But she still has a long ways to go because
1: that ball was still nowhere near the size of what she could do when she's touching Kerrigan.
0: I feel like there's a joke in there, but yeah. (laughs) Not in a bad way. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: Everyone's inspired when they're touching Kerrigan. Oh, I like that. (laughs) (laughs) And then we're Uh, back with Mal, I think, writing mm -hmm. his letter. And... He talks about how when Alina lit up Kerrigan's tent, he knew it was her because he heard a noise, a high tone, and that he used to hear it when they were kids and they would hold hands. And now he hears it again when he's tracking to the stake and that it's calling to him. I love that. Yeah. I do. I love that so much. Like,
1: I don't know what it means exactly, but like the romantic in me is like, oh my God, they're meant to be together. Even if it's not like as lovers, they're meant to be in each other's lives somehow. Like, it, it, it's always been this way. It's always supposed to
0: have been this way. And I, I love things like that in my fiction. Right. Uh, I like it because they're choosing to foreshadow things that weren't as well foreshadowed in the book. So I like that they're oh. kind of putting it in here.
1: Okay. Um, unfortunately, however, the Feardens have found them and tried to kill them. Well, that's what they do. Okay, they successfully kill two of them. Yeah. Um, It looks like they're going to survive and, and, and succeed, but then, you know, machine guns enter the picture, and, like, they all go down.
0: Yeah, and I, I feel like, based on what we know about Ravka, we can assume that they have no idea what a machine gun is.
1: No, I think they do, because back in the, the scene where Mal talked to his general about trying to get Alina... Mm-hmm um the general is all like you know it used to be one Grisha was for every 50 of us and Mm. then this new invention and then this new invention and some of those inventions were guns and one of them he said was the repeater gun which I assume is this gun see
0: okay that's an I'd forgotten about that that's interesting
1: like they may be aware of them but maybe don't have firsthand experience right maybe they don't and they maybe don't have any of their own (laughs) right (laughs) Um, but it doesn't make sense that they don't have any of their own because the, the material Kai should be able to make them.
0: So, something that is very true about Ravka is that the second army and the first army do not work together.
1: All right. Yeah. We've talked about this before. It's yeah.
0: stupid. It it's is stupid. Stupid.
1: So, yeah. Mal's friends die. Um, Mal is shot
0: up, but doesn't actually die. He gets um, one bullet in the shoulder, even though. The machine gun was pointed right at him. But I guess plot armor is a very powerful thing.
1: <laughs> plot armor. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, so we get this great flashback um, of Mao when he joined the army after he finished basic. And yes. he went looking for Alina um, and finds out she's in the brig because she punched the quartermaster or something. Mm-hmm. And so he decides, well... I'm not going to wait for her to get out. I'll just get myself thrown in the brig
0: so I can see her. And he like breaks his like stein or whatever on the quartermaster's head. So it's a little bit like, I want to see Alina, but also a little bit like, yeah, fuck you, guy. Right? This is the scene where I like Mal. I like him in this scene.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. This is how he gets the matching scar on his hand. Yeah. Which I always assumed that that scar came from that same day because his hand was all bandaged up. The testing day? Yeah, that's what I assumed also. But then we find out, nope, that's how, like, this specifically is where he got that scar. So.
0: I really um, love this scene also when she wakes up in the in the brig and, and she's like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? <laughs> and, you know, they have a little moment where she's like, we match. And then he yeah. says, we do. And I think that is really nice and a good juxtaposition to, you know, the scenes with, with Alina and... The Darkling. Yeah. But
1: unfortunately, Alina has realized that she doesn't want to rely on needing Mal or hoping that Mal needs her. So she asks Jinya to remove the scar.
0: When they did that, I was like, (gasps) because that does not happen in the book. But I guess, to be fair, like the scar is barely ever mentioned in the books after book one. So it doesn't really matter. So it made sense here. But I was still like, (gasps) anyway, that's all. And then...
1: We go back to Mal, who has survived. He's bleeding out, his friends are dead, but he sees the stag. In all its glory. And we end the episode exactly the same way we ended last episode. Mal is telling Alina that she is his true north. Yeah. Right after, she symbolically says she doesn't need Mal anymore by removing the scar, and it just rips your heart out. It's good. Like, what is the show even doing to me? (laughs)
0: <laughs> making you feel emotions apparently
1: oh my god it makes me feel so many feels
0: it's killing me it's killing me all right before anything else we have episode mvp
1: well i mean i kind of want it to be milo again just because we got milo flashbacks but milo wasn't actually in this episode so well, i don't think he, was he can in be the
0: goodbye scene with
1: Jasper, <laughs> with his little bullet to remember yeah. jesper by um but, All right, I, I have no idea what you want the MVP to be for this
0: episode. But- well, we can disagree. We can we can argue it out. I was thinking, okay. you know, Dubrov picked up the magical scat, and we don't know oh. the far-reaching consequences of that. So I was thinking Dubrov. And he carried the dead animal, which was presumably their dinner.
1: You make really good arguments there. Yeah. I was thinking I was going to go with... I was going to go with Inej because of her uh, steampunk mission impossible and scarf acrobatics, but Magical Deer Scout might actually beat that out.
0: Yes, if you will recall, I, I don't want us to have serious answers to this question. Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. Because that's boring. But uh, Dubrov uh, realizing that they might need the Magical Deer Scout. I think that it's. De- ah, Magical Deer Scout. Right. I think that is. Yeah, no, Dubrov knows his shit. So yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Dubrov and the shit. Episode MVP. It is decided. It is decided. I like it. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, I
1: I say this every week, but I love this show. Like, even just talking to you about it, like, I am in such a better mood right now than I was an hour ago. Oh, good. So this is awesome. Thank you. Yeah,
0: you're welcome. I also enjoyed myself. I, I had to restrain myself a lot during this yeah. conversation. I imagine that will only continue to get harder. Yeah, I feel like that. I almost, I almost want to talk about this episode again after next episode. Well, maybe we can do like a little special or something. Yeah, um, but next episode is my favorite of the season. Pretty sure Ooh. episode five is really good. Okay, so we'll see uh, what we see next week. Yeah. So if you have any questions about the world or anything at all that you would like to ask us, you can tweet us at Enter the Fold Pod. You can email us at enterthefoldpod at gmail.com. I'm Caitlin and you can follow me and find my other shows on Twitter at Inferior Caitlin.
1: And just a quick reminder that Caitlin is the one who manages that email box so you don't have to worry about spoiling me with your questions or comments. Um, I am Mandy Kay, and you can find this show and all of the other Eloquent Gushing shows at eloquentgushing.com. We are also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can give me a follow over on Twitter at Mandy
0: Kay. And remember, I keep to a strict diet of ill advised enthusiasm and heartfelt regret. <laughs>